we're back baby episode four it feels like episode two even though i've done you know this is the fourth fourth episode um what to say Mm, we talk a lot about otis in this episode so i feel like you know giving a little pup date get it (laughs) little pup date oh god i fucking hate myself uh giving an update on otis is unnecessary and um because you'll hear all about it um what will i say though um my mom said something really funny to me recently about otis which is that when his nails aren't cut he's wearing stilettos um and i found that hilarious because he just got his nails cut so now he is no longer wearing stilettos which means i cannot hear him when he runs around my apartment which is actually terrifying considering um he's stealthy already especially in the dark because he's all black and then you turn off the lights and you're like where the fuck is he the person i'm interviewing today is sarah ballantyne so she's she's the foster coordinator of Paws rescue which is a rescue based in toronto they've been around for i guess a year now and they just got charitable status which is really exciting uh i've fostered through them once and will do again because they're they're lovely um and if you're looking to adopt a dog they're the go-to she and i actually met in high school which is funny to me because now i'm just interviewing my friends but so many of my friends ended up as dog aficionados and we reconnected because of my sudden involvement in the rescue community um and she got me in touch with you know all those lovely people over at cpaws she's also a fantastic photographer which you'll hear about (laughs) Um, but I want to vouch for her as well and say that she's very good at it. Yeah, I'm really excited to share this episode with everybody. It's going to be a blast and a half. The We took a week off um, after launching the first three, which, you know, I feel neutral about. Um, it's hard to run a podcast. What? It's hard to run a podcast? Yeah, guys, it's hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I said that the first three episodes, but like, shit's real out here. I'm like a single parent with this Otis situation, although I hate when people say that. Your your dog is not your kid. Like, kids are very difficult to take care of, and that's... I said he was stealthy, but he still clacks on my floor, if you can hear it. Anyway, all this to say, um, Otis has been set up with some training um yeah he has a training session soon in the next week so i can't wait to talk about that there's a lot uh there's a lot going on with this guy and uh i'm really excited to share with you what's been sort of going on and i sort of mostly talked about it with sarah so i don't want to you know spoil anything i gotta go because i'm watching him eat cardboard right now otis don't do that That's my dog parent voice. Clearly, it's working very well. All right. Episode four. Tiny, tiny, tiny gremlin dog. I hate you sometimes. You're a tiny, tiny, tiny gremlin dog. And I love you the rest of the time. Oh, I love you the rest of the time. Oh, I hate you sometimes. Hi. Hi, Otis. Such a sweet. You have anything to say, Otis? 
like no he got his first groom yesterday um Mm -hmm. and the first thing (laughs) the first thing the woman said to me after he came like they gave you a phone call like a half hour phone call or whatever Mm -hmm. and she called she called me and she was like just so you know your dog is very weird (laughs) and that was the first thing she said to me and I was like whoa okay yeah no for sure um he also with a badge of honor yeah she was like I don't understand because he's like totally fine she just bring me a sock and he just brought me a sock um Mm -hmm. he uh she was like he's totally fine like he wasn't scared or anything he wasn't panting like his eyes were totally like normal like it was all fine and then all of a sudden he was like absolutely not (laughs) and trying to escape and I was like oh yeah no that sounds like him he also and you'll love this he met a uh, St. Bernard mix named Harvey Harvey I love that yeah yeah fully like a big old ma'am and he immediately was like this is my best friend Oh my and I was like he misses Charlotte <laughs> and it made me very emotional um hi Sarah hi <laughs> interviewing yeah interviewing how are you how are you on this fine day uh I mean it's a bit of a hectic day I don't know why I agreed to this on this day but it's fine yeah. how's the <laughs> how's the intake going uh, it's it's going. Um, we're, you know, I mean, they're on the road right now. So uh, we're just kind of getting updates from the road, oh like about the estimated time of arrival. So that's fun because we keep relaying it to the fosters and it keeps changing. But that's typical intake stuff. From Manitoba, really. right? <laughs> yeah. So they're coming from northern Manitoba. So I believe they've already, um, well, they made it to Thunder Bay like last night or something. And I believe they actually drove through the night. So they're just switching off. So once oh, there's gosh. like someone's driving, someone's sleeping and yes. switching back um, just to, well, because it's harder on the pups the longer the journey is. Yeah. And you have to keep, you know, stopping and giving them the rests and the peas and everything. So it's, you know, a lot. But <laughs> and who, how many dogs are coming? Oh, I believe 69 dogs and I don't know how many cats, but a bunch of cats too. Oh my God. But a lot of them, this, this transport in particular is quite puppy heavy. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Seapaws gets a lot of puppies. Yeah. So it's just, it's just because Manitoba, like they, it's, they just have lots of litters all the time. Uh. Right. Like they just find lots of litters and the puppies are quite easy to, um, I mean, they don't have behavioral issues yet. You know what I mean? It's it's a little bit, they haven't, they grow up with the family. So it is a little bit easier to place because you don't have to. People love puppies. Yeah, people love puppies. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about a couple things. First of yeah. all, I, I what is your official position at CPAWS? I just assume you help run the joint. <laughs> That's <laughs> why, like, I was like, Sarah runs it also. What do you do at CPAWS? <laughs> So I am foster director at CPAWS, or right now I'm actually, I've just switched to foster co-director, Sam, Sam Casey, who you had on. Oh, yay! Uh, yeah, she's uh, actually my my other co- my co-director with Good. me, so uh, just because I've been starting to work full-time now, and it's quite a bit, and I find we balance each other out well. She's, she's very on top of, like, the email communications, whereas I'm more uh, on top of, like, the... relaying the info between the different yeah I don't know groups of people different teams we have um yeah I just like to be in the loop a lot um (laughs) 
but yeah, my oh, official fun. title is foster co-director, but I also do like the photography for CPAWS a lot of the time. Uh, we had a fundraising event a few days ago and I ran the, the doggy photo booth. <laughs> I love that. It was called yeah. Barktoberfest. For those listening, it was called Barktoberfest. <laughs> and the one before that, that I went to was called Yappy Hour. And that's just genius. Okay. That's just genius marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. How'd that go? How, how's Barktoberfest? Oh, it was great. It was um, it was a very solid turnout. I think we're always a little nervous about the turnout just because with COVID, it's hard to, with these in-person events, it's hard to evaluate, you know, like who's going to show, who's not and everything, but it was very successful. We had a bunch of vendors there, like um, Toronto Dog Moms. We had um, Raw 101. We, oh gosh, I don't want to miss anyone, but I'm going to miss people. Uh, yeah. Pup and Pine, we had, we had. Um, oh, I love Pup and Pine. Yeah, I have no, like we had some place. really great ones. Um, and everyone's just so friendly too. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, it was a fundraising event, but I find with those kinds of events, uh, it's a lot more about just like, the community and like oh, seeing yeah. the people that you know because everything's so virtual now being able to see people in person and just um talk about the dogs talk about the challenges it just makes it so much more personal yeah the amount of dogs that were there is like absurd i've never seen so many dogs in one place mm-hmm. i remember yeah. so vividly at the last yappy hour watching there was like a i don't even know probably like a boxer and watching him flip his lid and then watching Kirk Barkley like literally calm this dog down with you know I know nothing so I'm like with his mind just like oh to this day I will remember that in my head I know we had yesterday I don't even not yesterday a couple days when we had when we had a Barktoberfest someone's dog was very reactive just like couldn't get out of the that headspace um and the owner was so apologetic and I was just like honestly I'm so surprised <laughs> it's not happening happening constantly when we have all these rescue dogs in one yeah, place but um, everyone I don't know everyone's very understanding it's also kind of interesting to see how everyone um works with their dog and like the different t- training techniques all in one place because yeah. everyone's very on top of like you know, uh, different training methods, things like that, and sharing it. So that's always really fun too, to kind of see everyone's different methods. It really is like a smorgasbord of types of dog people. Like that's uh-huh. what I found last time because you see like, I don't know, it's just like everyone is a different kind of dog person and they're all, uh, they're all rescue people. Uh-huh. And that's, it's a very specific brand or should I say breed uh, <laughs> um <laughs> that laugh was actually appropriate for sorry <laughs> no a very specific like breed of person where you're like oh yeah you're all like kind of Dufferin Grove Park granola people but you're also like very lovely very full of like everyone is here for the exact same reason rescue people for better and worse have to they're very passionate and emotional people because you have to be because uh that's what drives you to advocate for the dogs and you know yeah put the dogs first over people to be honest yeah absolutely and what was so I guess this is a good segue what what got you into rescuing like how did you end up at CPAWS 
I mean, it goes back to my first dog. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I used to have a phobia of dogs actually up until uh, I know I would panic. I'd run away. I couldn't get close to a dog, especially like puppies and smaller dogs. I don't know what it was, but I just had this, uh, like this fear reaction inside of me and that made me very anxious, but but I still thought they were cute and I liked them. I just, when they were in the flesh in front of me, I had that panic response, but we got a family dog. Uh, her name's Molly. She's a border terrier. She's still kicking it. How old is she now? 12. She's 12. And she's healthy, oh. doing great. She's got a beautiful silver beard now. I love it. But she really taught me, you know, like patience, how to, you know, just like the the comfort of the presence of a dog. And so when I went to university, I just kind of missed having the presence of an animal around me. And my roommate at the time, Olivia, and I, uh, we were both just missed having a dog around. So we reached out to the SPCA in Montreal um, and they uh, set us up with a foster dog. Um, Our first one was Charles, I think. And I met Charles. Oh my gosh, you did meet Charles. That's so wild. Yeah, Yeah, I remember because I was there for like a day for a show, I think. Oh my gosh, yes, you were. That's so funny. Yeah, he he was so handsome. He was beautiful. He really lived up to his name, Charles. Uh, (laughs) um, And he he was adopted by a family who had like another rescue dog and that was really perfect. And so from there we fostered with the SPCA a bit and then um, moved back to Toronto. I was living at home for a bit. And then during COVID I moved out, uh, and was living with roommates. And again, I think we just missed the presence of an animal so much. And my aunt actually knew one of the founders of CPAW's family members or something just heard through the grapevine that that was happening. Um, this new rescue was starting up. They were looking for fosters. Uh, they had a flight coming in um, from the Bahamas where they were looking uh, to place some of these dogs with fosters. So I mm-hmm. reached out and got interviewed by uh, Brianna, who was on the team at the time. Um, and I, w- I fostered uh, Babette. Uh, that was the shortest fostering period I had with them. It was just a few weeks. Um, and then after that, I got Clover, who was Shalimar at the time. And then from there, um, I think they made a post asking for a photographer to just oh, well, photograph one of their intakes. And I just DM them saying, oh, I can I can take photos. I actually do that. Um, right. That's <laughs> that's what I was. That, that's that is my, my whole actual field job. of study. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then from there, I don't know. We just got along really well, and I was just like really involved in fostering. And because I wasn't doing anything with COVID, I was just going from one dog to the next, kind of. And mm-hmm. so it just sort of very naturally happened. They asked if I wanted to be on the foster team, and then it just sort of naturally developed into this. Because as much as it is like a rescue, like we're all kind of just a big group of friends too yeah. that have met through the rescue and like through volunteering with the rescue but like I don't know we just get along because you have to have trust you know like absolutely it's like trusting people's moral compass and rescue yep that's a big one that's mm-hmm. a big one because you could be like you can make mistakes but as long as your heart's in the really right place not the right place but the really right place I think that there's a a sense of and that's clear with CPAWS too like you guys really love what you do and it's for mm-hmm. the dogs yeah, in, in rescue, and no matter like what rescue it is or wherever, like I think every, every person involved in rescue can own up to the fact that they have made a mistake or, mm-hmm. you know, like looking back, hindsight is everything. And you look back at your judgment calls and you realize things you might not have realized before. Um, but it is this ongoing process of really rescue is all just 
passion yeah like we said before yeah. passionate emotional people who are just like have worse, that emotional yeah. capacity to advocate for the dogs well especially and you said this to me because we're gonna get to charlotte and my experience there and how mm. fucking <laughs> how great that was and it, it was great and a mess um but the um the thing that you said to me is like people have seen some shit like like uh, especially I'm sorry. Do you have some someone to has say? something to say? <laughs> and then I, you know, immediately mm-hmm. shuts up. Um, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I've seen some shit too." Um, <laughs> but yeah, like especially the people like I, I, I can't imagine like like uh, I when we met our first foster dog Gruber, he'd like the vet was like he just had his head slammed in the door. That was the big thing, and he yeah. had like brain damage, which I find hilarious yeah. and sad but really funny uh to witness him try and navigate the world yeah um but really upsetting and like cigarette burns and stuff and i was like so i mm. like that's that was my first introduction to fostering and then to know that people have actually seen that shit firsthand is insane so i get it like i get the passion and the and the like you have to be you have to be and it's always dog first because people are terrible one and and it's and everyone who's community you know anyone who's reaching out to us with whatever there's no question about it that they love dogs yes you know and that's the root of everything really yeah and if they didn't why would they be there (laughs) (laughs) i would like to foster a dog i do however hate them but like what was the moment where you realized that this was like for you like obviously you went into it being like yeah. I love dogs I want to foster but when were you like this is my life now because it really is a commitment like it's a huge yeah I mean I mean in full transparency sometimes I do question is this for me still because it is very emotionally tolling at times but I think being able to feel that emotional about it and also compartmentalize that and put it aside uh in effective ways to be able to continue to like advocate for the dogs is kind of what keeps me involved too because I know like you do need to have that the emotional capacity to like feel for the dogs and to be able to advocate for them but and I know I have that. And so, you know, I kind of feel a bit of a responsibility to some degree to be able to, you know, to stick with it. And also, I don't know, the when you see the dogs in their homes, right, in the end, like it really is such a great feeling. And I have I have two neighbors in my building, and they've adopted uh, dogs I fostered. So I've been able to see them grow up. And I think that too, is just like, Anytime I think I'm a bit too emotionally overwhelmed and maybe this is a bit too much for me to handle, I something always pulls me back a dog that needs a new home or yeah. or just a reminder of like the dogs who we have placed in homes. If we look at the total number of dogs, I don't know what the number is to be honest, top of my head, but the total number of dogs we've placed in the past year um, and seeing photos of like families with their dog happy, um, that's definitely what keeps me, keeps me around. <laughs> I uh I'm in I'm in the like redemption pause adopters group because oh, yeah. I have Otis now. Um and I got to see photos of Gruber in his happy happy home. He's a a family adopted him, two kids. 
um, and he's like roaming around hiking trails and stuff in his little oh. like Canada pooch coat. And I was like, yeah. oh man, that's that good stuff right there. Like that's, I agree. And, and similarly seeing Charlotte at yappy hour with her family, it's like, it's, it's heartwarming. Mm-hmm. I think also the, um, being a part of this team in particular, um, like I, cause I, I really do have like a strong connection with a lot of people on the team and I know that they have my back and I have their back. Yes. I think that also keeps us, uh, involved because I know, um, if I would need to take a step back for what, and I have taken a step back for emotional reasons when I've just been like a little bit too emotionally overwhelmed at hearing um, what the dogs go through sometimes even, or just like having, you know, like foster bills or something. Yeah, rescue (laughs) drama in general, um, being able to have other people understand and talk to about it um, and who have my back and who will be able to support me if I'm having a hard time and then let me jump back in when I can, I think has also been really helpful too. Yeah, and it's good to, like, that was very clear because I've worked with a couple rescues now and some of them feel really discombobulated. Like, it's either they're getting really big and they don't know how to handle it um, or, you know, they've just had a new turnover with, like, foster coordinators. You you get a sense of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, we don't quite know each other yet, so I don't know what I can say or what I can do. But with you guys, you all even the new like sam was pretty new to you guys when i first met yeah Um, yeah and even still there was like a sense of like no we've we you're part of the team and as a foster i was like no i'm part of the team like we're we're, i felt supported and there's a a sense of i'm glad to hear that (laughs) yeah well i mean i also know you and you were in charge of my foster journey so it's not like (laughs) it wasn't that like yeah wasn't that far off it's it's also interesting because I know there's a lot of politics there's a lot of politics in rescue there's a lot of politics in dogs in general um Uh about different ways like you said like you show up to yappy hour you show up to barktoberfest and everyone has a different way of managing their dog and people Uh feel very strongly about that um and I know because you're in the I mean you again I don't want to force you to talk about anything too big I'd like we don't need to go there. I know, but I know, I, I know. <laughs> but I, I, I am interested to know how that's been, like, I know that probably takes a huge emotional toll as well on, like, like just in any charitable organization, because you guys now have charity status, which is huge. Yes, we do. It's amazing. That's so exciting. It's, it's massive. Yeah, it's something oh, we've yeah. been working on for a long time. Um, yeah, it's going to change everything. <laughs> oh, totally. Even just like being able to dole out charitable receipts, like that sort of thing is just huge. Exactly. And like, yeah, even honestly, just like the legitimacy that it gives yeah. us, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I said to someone recently. Actually, this is <clears throat> this is exactly what happened. I was... Um, I was getting a, a a phone plan, a new phone, a new phone plan. Because once you have a dog, this is sort of how it goes. I was getting a new phone plan, and I had Otis with me, uh, and I was there for maybe four hours at the Bell store. It was a nightmare. And while I'm there, this guy goes, "Oh yeah, like how did you how did you find your dog? Like did you like?" buy him at a pet store I was like no actually he's a rescue and he was like oh my gosh I I just almost rescued a dog but there were some issues in terms of like the the reputation of the of the um rescue 
And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he was like, she was asking for um, a lot of money up front and then asked me to meet her at the border. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, and the first thing he said to me, he's like, how do I know? How do I know if it's a reputable rescue? And I was mm-hmm. like, you never do. You just like, you just kind of hope. Um, but one of the biggest things that you can do is see if they're registered as a charity, because mm-hmm. that often is a good, a good gauge. And for you guys, that's huge for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like once you get into the, and out of any level, once you get into the rescue scene or even just the dog scene, you start to get a sense of where your moral compass should go based on the politics of it. Yeah, but totally. Because there are certain thresholds that you want to meet, which is like, is the foster application longer than two sentences? You know, is the adoption, um, is the adoption contract thorough (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like there's things like that where you you hope um that due diligence is being done yeah and i'll say and i will say on the note of like the adoption and foster application even like every month it changes (laughs) our forms change you know we update our agreements because i don't know we're constantly learning things we're learning oh we should have maybe asked this one very specific question, um, it would be, it would be good to know, like, just from everyone, this, I'm not trying to think of. Well, no, Charlotte's a great example. Charlotte's a great mm -hmm. example. Like, so I was working with rescue. This is a longer story and feel free to chime in. It was a kind of a mess because I was told by a different rescue that I'd worked with that, um, putting young dogs in diapers was encouraged. I now know never ever do that ever (laughs) which is you know complicated I felt so awful I remember like I I literally wept for I was like I ruined this dog sorry no 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 but but you know a learning curve for me um because when I had Otis uh I was told to put him in a belly band um and instead of being given belly a belly band I was given a bunch of diapers Mm. which makes no sense no (laughs) also he didn't need to be put in a belly band like there's also a lot of discussion like he wasn't he was just marking and whatever so now i i know that but going in like a rescue that would tell someone for the convenience of the owner to put a dog in a diaper when it can cause and cause infection it's like I didn't even know dogs could get yeast infections, but that's something that can happen. Like, you know, of course, because you would, Mm -hmm. you would think, because we put babies in diapers, but it's Mm -hmm. different. And that caused a whole thing. And now that's probably on your foster application, (laughs) your foster (laughs) contract. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, we do ask, uh, have you fostered before and with what rescue? And we do take that into account because we do, um, we have rescues we work with um, and that we, um, you know, have a good relationship with and that uh, we've actually developed a lot of our um, policies based off their policies too. Um, You might notice between rescues, a lot of our applications or our foster agreements are almost the exact same. And it's because we we like to keep in contact with each other and let each other know like what's working for us and what isn't things we can look out for. 
You want a big network because it means you can share fosters too, especially if you're trying to place a dog. And so also being able to sort of know um, where an applicant's coming from, and it doesn't necessarily hinder their application if they're coming from specific rescues or something, but it's something for us to take note of so we know um, if they'll need a little bit of extra support or maybe um, a little more guidance in terms of our policies and processes and the way we do things because which is great. We are very strict about certain things like no dog parks, for example, some rescues uh, might not make note of that in their foster agreement, but it's something we feel very strongly about just because they're very unpredictable and you don't totally the cesspool of just dogs, you know, (laughs) you don't know who's. Yeah. I took, I took Otis um, to doggy daycare recently for the first time. Mm. He had his intake, like his like evaluation and the dog right. park we went to is on Sher- uh, on Sherburne. I think it's called Kate. I'll plug it later because it's so, the woman who runs it is just fantastic. She had him for 15 minutes and she took him out. Similarly, your dog is very weird. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's something wrong with him. Um, but he, she was like, yeah, he was just scared. You should, he's not ready for the dog park. He's not ready for doggy daycare. He's not ready for the dog park. I'm like, right. And if, if there hadn't been a policy in the rescue that I rescued him from about dog parks, I wouldn't have thought twice about it when I started. Because when you either have had a dog, grown up with dogs, you assume you know things. You assume you know how to take care. And fostering, completely different than owning a dog. Completely well, different. The consensus around, um, like, I, I don't know how to word this, but... Um... I don't know, just like the consensus around training and effective training methods yeah. has drastically changed since like my family got our first rescue. Yep. Like, or, or sorry, we didn't, we didn't get a rescue dog. We, <laughs> my family got from a breeder. I know. <laughs> I was 12 <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, but the consensus has changed even since then. I remember like anyone we spoke with or anything we read about had very, um, a lot of the training was rooted in the idea of like dominance theory and um, establishing that you're the dominant one in the home and not letting the dog rule the home, which is, I understand the point and I think it can still apply, but it, you know, but it's, um, but you know, like it it wasn't focused on like positive reinforcement and positive based training, which is totally uh, what we totally advocate for. um, Yeah. um, Or balanced training, even like there's different methods and different people will have different opinions about it, but it's totally like every, every year it changes. And I mean, even in the past few years, I think uh, we've noticed in the GTA, like the amount of rescues even has just like exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's many different rescues with different uh, opinions too. And like, it's all just sort of, um, as an individual, you just sort of are following your moral compass and um, making educated uh, decisions about um, training and just the consensus of how to take care of a dog, really. Shock collars used to be commonplace, which is mm-hmm. absurd to me. Um, because, you know, when you talk about abusing dogs, like that's like, <laughs> that's like exactly what you don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, yeah, totally in the same vein, like what, what I used to have a, a, a friend, a childhood friend who used to pretend to eat her dog's food before she put the bowl down because it <laughs> meant that she was the alpha. I, Actually, I, that's how we got, that's how we got our family dog to eat. If she didn't want to eat, we'd pretend to eat from her food yeah. and then she'd want it because she thought it was human food. I love that. That's, I honestly, you get creative, you know? 
with Otis, he would not eat his food until I bent over and said, your majesty, and he'll go oh eat his God. dinner. <laughs> There's something about like bowing that really works. Mm-hmm. Now Sometimes like, pretending the kibbles like treats so making them do a trick yeah. and then giving it to them as treats. It's like with the new fosters, it's what I tend yeah. to have to do. <laughs> Otis, Otis as well, or hiding them and letting them find them. Like that's a big one. He, uh, he refused to eat. Well, actually when I first got him, no one told me how much I should be feeding him. And I'd only had big dogs before that. Mm. So I fed him two cups <laughs> a day. <laughs> And he's so small. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I cannot eat any. I was like, he's not eating. Like, I don't understand. He's not finishing his meals. Deanna's like, you're feeding him two cups a day. He's one pound. What? Like, what? <laughs> Upon that adjustment, he has been eating regularly. But that first few Great. days, I was like, why isn't he finishing all of his meal? His giant meal. Um. And now he's the appropriate. He's been fed the appropriate, but he's getting a little thick anyway. Like his his he's gotten a little pot belly. He's uh-huh. still he's still the right weight, but he's he's getting a little um, getting a little thick. For new fosters, people who've never because I was a uh, before I fostered, I'd never even seen a dog in my life. Basically, like uh-huh. I'd never had one in my house. I didn't grow up with dogs. For people who are just starting, uh-huh. what is the big advice other than and i want this to be said very clearly um when you commit to having a foster commit for the whole time i feel like Uh that's a big one and i learned my lesson that way as well um going in the first two weeks are freaking brutal Uh they're brutal after that smooth sailing yeah i mean honestly as as foster coordinators i'd say our role when we're interviewing someone is to set the expectations and to evaluate if someone understands the expectations too you know what I mean so I find in the cases where we have had people decide they could no longer foster for whatever reason um it's because they uh didn't have realistic expectations of the commitment you know what I mean so um there's no question about if someone's filled out the application they really want to foster and they're interested in it but it's about yeah but it's about um making sure they understand what that commitment actually looks like and if that fits their lifestyle too, you know? Absolutely. Um, applying to adopt a dog is very different than applying to foster. When you apply to adopt, you're, you're applying for that specific dog at specific needs, at specific long-term yeah, needs, it's lifestyle and everything, um, and if it matches well with your home. But when you apply to foster, you're just applying to um, accept a new dog into your home. Um, and that can really be any kind of dog, any kind of personality. And even if we do have, you know, a bio, um, a super, sometimes we get minimal information, no bio, we have no behavioral info about a dog. And sometimes we get like a full essay, but uh, factor of the matter is uh, after a transport and after moving homes, maybe the dog's going to react totally different than it ever has before because it's a lot of changes. Maybe it's never been around, um, a stove and the stove sets, you know, just things like that. You just never know. And so just setting the, uh, just if if you're a new foster, I guess, um, being prepared for the unpredictable, having patience, lots of patience, um, and just working with the dog you get and, uh, figuring out what their needs are because it's different from dog to dog too, not pushing the dog into, uh, the type of dog you want it to be, but working with the type of dog you actually have. Um, I'd say a lot of fosters, they tend to new fosters. Uh, the biggest mistake is they get the dog and they immediately go into like, all right, let's teach it how to sit, shake, lie down. Let's go on 
three one hour walks a day, oh you know, trying to get it into the routine. But ultimately, that's just a lot for a new dog that's in a new home. And it just needs to learn how to chill out and live in a home. Yep. Even babies, I learned even the puppies. Mm-hmm. Well, and honestly, thinking about the dogs, I, I like to think about my foster dogs as toddlers, you know, like, yep. Uh, when they're acting up and getting all antsy, um, they're throwing a temper tantrum and I need to like, let them go in their crate and take a little nap and just calm down until they're a little bit calmer. And then they could come on out and nap in the common space. <laughs> oh, the crate's such a good tool. That crate is a godsend, mm-hmm. um, both for dog and person. I think it's a good place to go when you're not you need to cool off you need to, mm-hmm. you need to take a i know trip. i need a crate for myself yeah me <laughs> is that not my room i don't know no but totally totally yeah i think there's something really uh crazy about uh, um the i think you're right it's the expectations right like the expectations are i mean it's always going to be more than you think it is um in fact every time i've gotten a new foster i've gone in going no it's going to be different it's going to be a little different like it's going to be just a little more chill and you know i'm on my fourth foster now and i'm like no 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 it's just as hectic (laughs) it's just as bad you are getting just as little sleep as you did last time (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know it's yeah managing your own expectations too oh you found your squeaky toy thank you for um that otis Thanks for talking with us today. No, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was nice to talk. It's so funny how our lives uh, ended up here. Yeah, it's it's really, yeah. I mean, for we have two minutes now left on the Zoom call. I know, (laughs) but uh, to I guess at the end of this, for context, like we met in high school. We were both in the film program. That was great, and then we then we both went to concordia i was there for a year uh and you stayed Mm -hmm. and you finished and you have a degree i I do have a degree that's insane to me because i don't i have a diploma from acting okay we're we're both here so (laughs) it's true and then and then you reached out because i was fostering Mm -hmm. and then i had otis and then you met otis and here we are today and our friendship has been through some times. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a, whirl- a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, really, truly. But I'm glad I'm glad we did this. I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm, and I too. will end up interviewing all of CPAWS. One by one, I will. Oh, I'm sure. It's just <laughs> unintentionally, it's just happening. <laughs> no, I love it. Well, Sam wasn't a part of CPAWS when I, or she was just fostering Callie when I, mm-hmm. when I interviewed her, which is so funny. Otis, do you want to say goodbye? Nice no, to see you again, Otis. Miss you.